When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Episode 113 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by Warby Parker. Take advantage of the new free home try-on program. You get to order five pairs of glasses, try them out for five days, and there's no obligation to buy. Ships are free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. So head to warbyparker.com slash outlandercast to order your free home try-on today. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everybody how's it going yeah i i know it's droughtlander but it's okay it's okay we're all in this together welcome if you're new my name is mary larson and my name's blake and i kind of miss the drums i kind of miss the caribbean drums that we had but you know what it's season three is over it's it's time we have to move on go back to our original theme song until we get our new one (laughs) that's true that's true don't don't cry because it's over. Be happy because it happened. There you go. That's what I'm saying. I, I say that every season, and I'm going to yes. continue to say it. So we're, of course, going to be doing a few different episodes reflecting on season three. But today's episode, I'm really pumped about. Yes. And for those of you who've been with us throughout the seasons, hopefully you're pumped for this episode, too. Yeah, you know, we always have the opportunity to fangirl out as a small outlander community. Fan person out. Come no, on. Sorry, fan person. <laughs> But we we always we always take things very seriously, and we why didn't Cat get nominated? She's the best, and you know, like everything is life and death when it comes to Outlander for us because we're such serious fans. All of us, you, my darling, myself, and every, every, all, all the people listening to this podcast right now. But we we and more specifically, I I like to get a national perspective of Outlander, kind of give us all. Outlander nerds, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a brain duster here to remind us where Outlander fits in in the national perspective yeah. of television and, and where it fits in the national television world. And uh, and we always bring on Allison Keene, who uh, works for Collider.com, one of the foremost entertainment websites uh, on God's Green Earth. Uh, and she is a, a big fan of Outlander herself, but she does have this national perspective, that we've, perspective. That we've talked yeah. about to, to give us to give, give us a, a different idea of where the show may truly be as opposed to where it is in our hearts in my heart <laughs> it's number five so i mean without further ado let's let's do this let's do it
Joining us today is Allison Keen of Collider.com. Allison is the chief television critic at Collider and also the senior editor for TV at Collider as well. So, I mean, from Lost, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones to Stranger Things, The Leftovers, and even Outlander, she has pretty much covered every single show that is of note on television. Allison, thank you so much for joining us again on Outlander Cast. Thank you all for having me. So how are things going on over at Collider? Is there any news that you want to give us on the scoop for Outlander Season 4? Oh my gosh, I wish. I don't know anything. <laughs> I am I am out of that loop so far, but I'm really hoping that we get some news soon about um, the new season. And there was apparently that sneak peek, I think, that mm-hmm. they did. There was a scene recently. Yeah, so little tidbits I'm expecting for the next, you know, year. <laughs> what did you think about that that they that they gave us this whole little snippet of a scene so quickly after the end of season 3? I thought that was really interesting. I actually come to think of it, I don't know of another show that has done that mm-hmm. maybe ever, but it just shows I think how committed Stars is to not only Outlander but to that fandom and knowing that people are just ready for the next you know, anything. And I think it's smart that they did that. Actually, it was really kind of a savvy move. Yeah, I agree. Now, talking about a savvy move, uh, I know that you were over at the filming, well, at least on the set of Outlander season three. So, you know what? Let's let's get it out of the way right now. (laughs) How, when, why, everything. Let's let's fangirl out and talk about it for me. So the, one of the biggest perks of this job is that we get to occasionally we're invited by the studios or the networks to go visit the set of their shows. And, and, you know, they're always really great. They're really nice. This, I mean, you could imagine they flew us to Scotland. Like it was unbelievable. We went on this tour of the castles. We got to go on the sets. We got to interview the cast. All those videos are on Collider for anyone who's interested. I've sort of been posting them the last few months, but it was incredible. I had never been to Scotland before that. And it was, I mean, it just blew me away. It, it, everything we went to Edinburgh and, um, really got to explore and the cast was just so like, I mean, this is their job, right? You know, to talk to the media and to do interviews, they do it all the time and they're really good at it, but they're just all so genuine. Katrina, Sam, Tobias, everyone was just like, so excited to talk to us. So happy that, you know, we were excited about the show and they were just the sweetest. Like, I cannot tell you just like how sweet they were <laughs> in all these interviews. Oh, like, I really, I can't say enough good things about it. Stars, I mean, just treated us so well, took us to all these amazing locations. And yeah, it's like they didn't really need to convince us because obviously everyone that was there was already a fan of the show, but it just took it to like a totally new level. <laughs> so yeah, it was amazing. And I think actually one of my favorite parts was um, getting to visit the costume department Ooh. and just see the magic that goes on there. Their costume department, I mean, staff wise, it's not even that huge, but what they're able to do and just the amount of not just creativity, but I mean, when you just walk by these dresses and these, you know, it's, it's astonishing. So yes, it was magical. And I was very happy that I got to go. Hopefully they will invite me back for season four and I will have some scoop for you. But maybe, so far, maybe, maybe you can fit us into your suitcase, you know, uh, and, <laughs> and, and take us with you to go to season four. Uh, shooting. Did did you get a chance to go on set, like see the filming, like what was if you, if you did, what what did you see? 
Oh, you know, we did. Well, we were actually, there was a very small scene. It's so funny because when you get to observe filming, you really just have no context for what you're seeing at that point because it's, it, they're so far into it. And you, and especially for me who has not read books, it was all just very like, okay, that's a thing. Sure. Um, it was that scene where it was Hogmanay and everyone's sort of dancing oh, and yes. it was like, uh, Ginny and Ian, it was just, it was really beautiful. And it was so much fun. Like, but it's such a strange thing because obviously when they're filming it, there's no music. Right. So everyone's just kind of dancing to no music. And it's, a very bizarre thing, <laughs> but <laughs> there's all such good actors that they're, you know, obviously it's super convincing and it was amazing, but yeah, it was that whole, that really is, I know a lot of people have talked about this and written about this, but the atmosphere, um, on the set with the cast and the crew and the creatives and everybody, it, it really is like a family there. And I'm really happy that they're going to continue filming in Scotland because I think that what they have established there as far as that Outlander production house and everything has really not only been important for Scotland, but just it's created such a family for that show. And I just, I don't know. I think that comes across on screen too, just in, you know, the love that's kind of behind all of it. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So for anybody who hasn't yet been to Scotland, who hasn't been able to do any of these things, what would you say was a must do on your time there for, for someone who doesn't have the access you got, but they could still maybe oh my go gosh, to see I it. Know. I can't wait to go back. Um, <laughs> I don't have enough money to go back on my own, but one day um, it's, so we didn't go to Glasgow or any other, you know, major city in Scotland. We just went to Edinburgh, but I would say that is definitely like would be your base camp. Like it's just a really cool city to explore, especially to if you're a Harry Potter fan, because there's actually a lot of, influences that JK Rowling had in Edinburgh. Speaking my um, language. <laughs> it's really <laughs> interesting. And it's just a fun place to wander around and explore. Um, but using that kind of as your base, that's where we stayed. We, um, you can sort of, I guess you could take little day trips out to, um, there, first of all, by the way, there are castles everywhere. Like you just can go in any direction and just like throw a stone and there's a castle. So you don't worry that you won't like, Oh, what if we don't go the right way? Like you will, you will see castles <laughs> everywhere and it's amazing. Um, but it's just, there's so much natural beauty in Scotland. Again, I think if you just kind of drive in any direction or take a tour or a bus or whatever, you're going to see just amazing things. But I would definitely say that Edinburgh should be your, you know, destination to start and then just kind of go from there. Nice. It's, it's, it was just so beautiful. And Oh, another thing is that everyone is super friendly and like really excited for you to be there. Not, not all places are like that, but Scotland was <laughs> genuinely like just really, really nice. So, awesome. yeah. So as you, as you probably know, we grade each episode of Outlander on kilts, you know, and uh, right. it's one to five, one being the worst, like the search and five oh, being oh. like the battle joined or, or whatever, you know? Um, so let's just get out of it. Let's get into season three, uh, which, yeah. which is why we're all here right now. How many kilts are you giving Outlander for season three and why? Here's the thing. I really, really, really liked season three overall. I think there were some issues with it, which we can get into later. But um, I, I'm honestly, I'm going to give it four kilts. 
Wow, look at nice. you, kills. a lot. Yeah. Very good. Very good. It, it, it might have even been five had it not been for that last episode, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you have a unique look being in the media and being able to talk to other people who, you know, get to write about shows for a living and you're always in touch with this. So what do you think is the national perspective of this show in this season? It's interesting because... I'm, I'm finding that people are more and more sort of culturally aware of it. Like if you're plugged into sort of what's happening on TV, you know what Outlander is, you recognize it. Even if you don't watch it, you kind of know that it's happening, which is really not a small thing when there are 500 mm-hmm. scripted TV shows on. Um, but at the same time, it still has a pretty small viewership, you know, relatively speaking. I think it's about a million viewers an episode, which is actually really, really good in a lot of ways. But but still, when you compare it to like, the most popular shows, you know, on, on HBO, or something even like Walking Dead, or on broadcast, that's still a pretty small audience. Um, and also, it's not stars is still kind of an up and coming network in a lot of ways. So I don't think it has quite as much recognition as if the show you know, was on another network, although I think it fits stars really well. And I think that stars is kind of building its brand around outlander Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and I also think that there's still a lot of bias against it where people are dismissing it as like, Oh, it's like a woman's show. It's just like a romance. I'm not interested, which as we know is really dumb and not true. So (laughs) I don't know. I, I think probably the most interesting thing is that season three had a higher viewership than season one or two, which is a really, really good thing because typically for a niche show like this or genre show, the viewership numbers go down. That's just kind of a natural course of things. But this kind of proves that people are catching up with the show in the off season and they're interested. They've heard about it and they want to check it out and then they're sticking with it. So that's all really positive stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Stars has made some really cool choices as of late with their content, and I wanted to get your opinion on this and see how they, if Outlander benefits from it all, which is, you know, you have the new J.K. Simmons show, Counterpart, or yeah. you have Ash versus Evil Dead, or they're even bringing on the John Wick series. Do you, do you think they're kind of getting into these neat shows because that's that's like the, the route that they want to go, and do you think that will help prop up Outlander or Outlander prop up these other shows? I think that them have commissioning a miniseries like the white princess was a really uh, interesting thing because that paired so well with outlander. And I think that a lot of outlander fans really enjoyed that miniseries and mm-hmm. vice versa. People might've found outlander by watching white princess. Um, they, I think that stars is definitely taking a chance on some of these more sort of genre things. I mean, Ash versus evil dead. Definitely. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> like horror specific, you know, but yeah, counterparts really interesting because it's a spy show, but it's also sci-fi kind of in the same way the outlander is, you know, it's like the, it's an alternative history, historical romance kind of time traveling. There's just a lot of things going on that are sort of unexpected and counterpart is sort of similar in that it's kind of combining a lot of different genres. So I don't know. I, I stars is actually one network that I'm pretty excited for a lot of their programming that they have coming up. Um, I think that they, are taking chances in a good way. I think that they're really also kind of diversifying their um, content as far as like they have a new show coming up by, you know, it's like starring young Latina actresses and there's, you know, just, just a lot of different things that not a lot of other networks are doing in a real way. And so I, I think it's good. I think it's a very good thing. Mm -hmm. So do you think, 
I mean, we talked about other shows like the the really popular shows like The Walking Dead or or Game of Thrones or whatever. Do you think? And I know I've asked you this question before, but does it have the juice finally? Maybe perhaps to become one of those, you know, national culturally zeitgeisty shows like Game of Thrones or Westworld or whatever. I don't know. And I don't know because I think that stars is still HBO just has such a bigger viewership, mm-hmm. you know, just they have more subscribers. And I think stars has, mm-hmm. is starting to see a trend where more people might be subscribing to it, especially because of Outlander. But I don't know. I don't know that it's going to be that big, especially because we're going to season four and it hasn't quite gotten to that yet. But I still think that it's a lot more recognizable to the average TV fan than it was in season one, certainly, and probably even in season two. Mm-hmm. So is we, that, we'll see. <laughs> is that the reason why you think perhaps uh, why Outlander isn't seeing as many awards for like the Emmys or uh, that kind of thing as those other shows are seeing those are reaping those benefits? Right. Well, I mean, award shows, let's be honest, (laughs) they don't mean anything. And it's so frustrating because the Emmys have done a better job, I think, in the last few years of better representing what people are watching. But in the end, it's still a popularity contest. You know, there are hundreds of TV shows. Most of the people voting have not watched them. So a show like Outlander is probably unfairly um, overlooked. But if you look at the history of these award shows, the Globes and the Emmys and all that for television. I mean, some of the best TV shows never saw any awards action. You know, The Wire, Rectify, just so many series that are so beloved and so good and have such great quality. And they were just ignored or overlooked. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter, though. It doesn't have any bearing <laughs> on the quality <laughs> of the shows. But it's frustrating, though, I think, because I really thought that Outlander could break through in some of the acting categories. And I was, especially after season two, I thought that was probably the best chance for Katrina Balfe to mm-hmm. get um, nominated at least. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's, that's, it has been disappointing. And I, I don't know, there might be something in the future for it. But again, it's tough because they just, you know, yeah. they don't do a great job of is it because you can't like really narrow it down to one thing you know i've had a lot of conversations with people about it and they've they've asked me or or outlander cast in general like why 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 is stars maybe struggling to promote the the show uh and why do they not get the recognition and i always my answer is always i don't think they struggle or i mean i'm not sure if they struggle but maybe they're not getting recognition because it's just not one thing like it and they they have to lean in on the fact that it's a romance show when they're when they're publicizing it perhaps yeah but it's also you know swords and sandals and sci-fi and time it it does one thing really really well and other things really well too what do you think about that yeah you know genre shows tend to get ignored i think game of thrones is the, the really the only one and that's why i think they just like the emmy voters just like kind of grab onto it every year. Cause it's like, Oh, we did a cool thing once by like recognizing a genre show. Let's just keep doing that. Cause that seems that people seem to like it, but they aren't looking anywhere else. Um, and there are so many interesting TV shows that are just not, you know, being ignored. I mean, or not be, are being ignored and a show like Outlander. Yeah. I think that, um, 
I, I don't know. I, I think there's sort of a, a stigma to it, and I don't really understand why, but I can see why people would sort of dismiss it as like, well, this is just time-traveling romance. That, that shouldn't be taken seriously. But as we know, it should, because like <laughs> you said, it does all these things really, really well. You know what? It's too good for the Emmys. I think that's probably the best. <laughs> there we go. I like <laughs> that. <laughs> so that being said, you know, of course, what left everyone talking in the middle to end of December was the, the finale. And so... How would you grade that finale, just that episode by itself? Yeah. And then you could talk about how it, you know, worked into this even. But how would you have graded? How do you grade that finale? Oh, well, I wrote about it on Collider because I had a lot of thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, and this, I'm very interested, too, in, you know, y'all's take because, well, I think now... Blake, are you still not reading the books? Are you still a show only? I, I'm show person? only, although I started okay. reading the first book. Um, but it, okay. that's only the first book. That's it. But show <laughs> show only. Okay. So then, Mary, I'm very particularly interested to know what you have been thinking about the adaptations here. Because, again, I have nothing to compare it to. But to me, the finale episode was just super rushed. Yes. It just threw a lot of things at me. I didn't know <laughs> what was happening. I was like, oh, there's Galus. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's like, oh, that's, oh, okay. And now there's like a prophecy and there's all this. So I think that what worked in the finale is what always worked with Outlander, which is Claire and Jamie. Mm -hmm. And anything that's Claire and Jamie is a good thing. Um, the Galus stuff just was, in the Lord John, there's just a lot that was happening there that just moved very quickly and then like it was like another shipwreck you know like I'm lost at sea again and they're in America and I'm just like wow that's like a lot to take in so I didn't I didn't love it because I felt like it left things off in a really weird place um but is I mean is that similar at all to how the book details that or so in the I mean I'll tell you this as a book reader when I heard that we had 13 episodes I went are, are you kidding <laughs> is this yeah. going to be like season one again where it's like 13 episodes now and then 13 episodes again and then as I started to watch the season and I started to see the pacing I really I would say to Blake in the most vague way I don't know how they're going to do this <laughs> um, because yeah. there's a lot to cram in here that you you don't even know about. You know, he, he had a lot of theories that were um, really coming true based upon even just the trailers and the little teasers that came out before season three. And I said, yeah, you know about half of season three. And then the second half is crazy. Like the second yeah. half just comes out of nowhere at you. And I don't know how this pacing is going to work without it feeling like you're on a merry-go-round. Um, and so my... The way that I feel about it is the second half is magic. It's all magical. It's all out there crazy time anyway. It's it's really unrealistic when you think about, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. all sci-fi. <laughs> so if it is going to go fast, if any part of it is going to feel like it's at an unnatural speed, I appreciate that it's the second half rather than the first half. The first mm -hmm. half was character building, you know, yeah. really showing what Jamie and Claire went through to have you feel their pain so that you were really, really, really excited when they did get to reconnect and moments like they had on the boat. And when they did get to yeah. arrive in America, you're like, oh, thank God, because they've been through so much. It's like we needed that time and that space to feel the pain and then the magic stuff I feel like the production staff was like it's magic it's oh it's okay it's time travel like <laughs> no, I, that's ex those are like exactly my feelings on the mm -hmm. whole season because I was really proud of the show for taking was it four solid episodes of mm -hmm. keeping Claire and Jamie apart mm -hmm. 
And I thought like, I mean, they did not, you know, bow to any pressure to be like, okay, it'll be like one episode and they'll be back. Like he really felt that separation. And I really liked that they took their time with that. And because Mary, exactly like you said, when they came back together, it meant so much more. Mm -hmm. And then every time they were sort of wrenched apart, it was just like horrifying all over again. (laughs) And then, you know, and then so finally, you know, they come, but just like, yeah, from a, from a plot perspective, um, as a show only watcher, it was, um, just like, yeah, quite a whirlwind in those last episodes. And I mean, and not just all of the seafaring and Jamaica stuff. Cause I thought some of it was really excellent. Um, but the, the last two episodes were just, it was lot. fast. Yeah. It was fast <laughs> and furious. I mean, I think actually they had five episodes apart. I mean, they even stretched it out even longer. And I, I know that right, some yeah. people, some, especially book readers had even more problems with that because they added in a lot of the Boston stuff. Yeah. They added the in a l- <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Every, everybody be easy here. Don't be hey. making fun of my town. <laughs> you, 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 well, well, here's the thing is that, you know, you guys know that I love Tobias and I love Frank and I mm-hmm. think I thought some of that stuff between Frank and Claire was man that was it was good it was tough but it mm-hmm. was good but like God bless those Scottish actors with those Boston accents though I <laughs> I was just kind of ready to leave that behind <laughs> but yeah um it, that was probably my only real complaint about that and also some of the um so when I went on the, the set visit, I was with a bunch of book readers. So I got like super spoiled for season three, which is fine. But I was very much anticipating because they were talking a lot about the Geneva stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so what's this going to be about? And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, this, this is not working. This is just, I don't know exactly what the difference is with the book, but it just felt very jarring. But other than that, I feel like they handled the separation storylines very well. Like Jamie was on adventures and there was a lot happening there, but then Claire was just like, going through so much emotional stuff. Um, I just, I loved it. I, I mean, for the most part, I think that, you know, again, like you said, the pacing was just kind of slow at the beginning in a good way, mm-hmm. but then maybe didn't leave quite enough time <laughs> at the end. It's <laughs> <but laughs> <this is> my opinion. <laughs> so, you know, we were talking about this season and just how, how it felt um, and how overall you rated the season a four kilt and how season three in general picked up steam for viewership. Do you, honest to God, in your heart, feel like Outlander is going to be renewed for seasons five and six. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, if it's not Star's number one show, then it's definitely like this number. I mean, it's, it's definitely up there as one of their most watched shows. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a marquee series for them. And I think they've had a lot of subscriber success with it. Um, it's boosted other series that they've uh, had on like the white princess who like the viewership numbers for white princess. I was even surprised at because it was a lot higher than I would have expected for mm-hmm. like a historical piece on a premium network. But again, I think it was sort of the outlander fans that helped that along. So I think honestly, as long as they feel that they have material for it and the actors are willing to, um, you know, uh, renew their contracts, <laughs> I think it will go on for as long as they can make it happen. Okay. Because so I, yeah, let's chat about renewing contracts because of course you've got especially the two leads these these hot young relatively still young in their careers and because they're yeah. really this is like their big breakout um is this something that would be wise for them to do to continue on i say yes but there's been people i mean you look at downton abbey you know and there were a couple of right. main characters on that show who sybil yeah freaking sybil <laughs> gosh and it, it didn't it didn't work out 
No, right? exactly. And that's why, like, you know, that's why so. I'm hoping that, you know, of course they're getting more attention, but so th- that's my one concern is obviously they have the source material. They have the fandom stars would be foolish if they didn't want to continue, but would it come down to, in your opinion, if Sam or Kat wanted out? Is that the only reason that they wouldn't continue? I think so. Yeah. It's kind of like um, the show Supernatural on the CW. It's like in its 13th season. And the president of the CW is just, he literally has said, as long as the two leads want to keep doing it, we'll keep making it. And I feel like <laughs> the same would be true for Outlander. I don't know if they'll want to keep doing it, but I honestly think that they are very grateful for the show and what it's done for them. I think that they genuinely um, love the fandom and, you know, have just been really proud of what the show has done. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is me projecting a little bit, but I really do feel like they, because you're best friends because of your visit to the set. Do you feel yeah. like you we're, can speak for them? Besties yeah. now. Like we're just, oh, hold on. I just got a text. Yeah. Um, a, <laughs> I wish. Um, but yeah, I think I really do think that, that, but then again, I mean, like you said, there will be other opportunities they may not want to get pigeonholed in, you know, this one show, but at the same time, like, I mean, why would you not want to just keep riding that wave? We talked about, you know, the, the actors who left Downton Abbey until in the last like two years or so, Dan Stevens just kind of like dropped off the radar after that. And he's mm-hmm. made an amazing resurgence. Yeah. I mean, he's been in Beauty and the Beast and he's leading Legion and everything. But for like several years after that, people were just angry at him. Well, let's be <laughs> real. Nobody even knows that, that he was the beast because he had all that face going on. I said, true. I wouldn't even know it was him. <laughs> this is true. But you know, he made bank from that. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I will give him credit. He did the guest, which was a, which was a great film. I really liked that film. So yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I don't know what else is available. I know that um, it's funny because some one of my friends just saw Sam Hewen in a um, Hallmark movie that he had done like a couple years ago. You know, like <laughs> oh, we know the can, one. <laughs> you know the one. Um, there's probably I think there's a prince involved. There usually is. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I I don't know. I I wouldn't think that they'd be ready to jump ship yet. I don't know. I I've heard sort of rumors of what happens in later books and it gets kind of crazy. So I don't know how the production will handle that. They might skip over stuff. They might try to say, okay, we have six seasons in mind, but then we're going to end it, you know, mm-hmm. then maybe just mutually they come to that decision. So well, I don't know. Well, but. what's, what's the, I mean, if you don't know their specific contract situation and I, I wouldn't expect you to, but what's the norm for contract situations like this when someone has to sign on and they predict that they're going to do an X amount of seasons and, and how long does it usually go for? Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I have no idea for this. I think it's for television. I mean, it could just really be anything at the, they probably sign on for two or three seasons at a time, but I, I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think that cause stars renewed it for season four. Four. Did they do that at the same time they did for season three? I can't even remember now. Yep, they or did, did three they and do four it? together, yeah. Yeah, so I, that to me is a signal that they probably signed on for one and two. They probably signed on for three and four, and then they'll see kind of how it goes after that. That yeah. would be my guess, but I honestly have no actual information. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, every show, and, and I think Outlander is a part of this, is they, they all have their signature moments, and, you know, Breaking Bad, I'm the one who knocks or mm. we, we have to go back, Kate, or uh, and I know how much you love this international assassin for the leftovers. Uh, <laughs> uh, has, <My> favorite show. <laughs> has, 
has has Outlander had its signature moment yet for you? Or if Ooh. not, what's like that first scene that that comes to your mind when you think of Outlander? Mm, nice you know, question. The, I know, these are these questions are too good. I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I, for me, let me think. There, there might be a scene or something between Claire and JV I'm just not thinking of. But to me, what really stands out with Outlander is how it feels, right? Like when I think about it, it's just, it's in my mind. I know it's leaving Scotland, but in my mind it is in Scotland and it is cozy. And like, I have these like woolen, like bracers, like Claire wears, you know, like my little, and my little like shawl and stuff. This is what I think of when I think of Outlander. It's just like these cozy scenes. And I know that like, that's not all the show is. And, and there's just so much else that happens, especially this season. But I think there's just a very cozy, homey feeling with it. And there is not another show that I can think of that is like that. Like this season in particular, I think I was sort of like this, getting more like this in season two because I wasn't recapping it anymore. So it's just like fun to watch. And I just was so excited to see every new episode, which as someone who last year at one point I was keeping up with like 20 shows a week and most of it's just work. You know, it's like, I kind of have to watch this or I kind of need to keep up with this. But Outlander, it's like as soon as it hit the stars app, I was like, put it on. I'm so excited to enter this world again. And I think that one of the things that it's so effective at doing is just really making you immersed in this world and feel like you are being transported somewhere else because, you know, the settings and the costuming and everything is just so good. But as far as like a, a specific line, what was that one? Oh my gosh. Um, Jamie says something about how he's like, he'll find Claire or something. Oh, they used it for the season three marketing. And now I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's something about, it's just something about that. Like that they're, that they're always being pulled together mm-hmm. sort of no matter where they are. And so, Oh, I don't know. Just, <laughs> just like, do, do you guys have like a favorite? Do you think that there's been a, like a, a certain moment that kind of has defined outlander so far? Uh, for me, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's defined Outlander, but I had a chance to rewatch some of Outlander actually before we were chatting today. And the thing that I keep always going back to is the battle joined that first 15, 20 minutes of the battle and Sam remembering back to the battle and then the fight with Blackjack and then Tobias Menzies reaching out to touch his chest like that, that was like, uh, that was Outlander porn for me. Like that was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, I keep coming back to that, and I remember watching it and getting so excited. And so I'm not sure if that defines Outlander for me, like entire entirely. But that was one of those things that I, I look at and just, man. Yeah, you know it's unbelievable. I like that. How about you, my darling? What do you What do you think? You know, there are certain gifs that I feel like capture the moment that. Yes. <laughs> and I actually just, just posted just this. Just Right. I um I just posted one inside our our clan gathering Facebook group, and it's when Claire and Jamie are saying goodbye uh, at the stones, like while yes. he's gonna go fight in Kalan, and he's like pushing her hair back, oh. and that moment, and then the moment that we get in the first episode of season three, when, when Jamie is like smelling, uh, yes. you know, the, the, the cloth that is left behind. Cause we didn't really get that insight oh. in, in season two. And, um, you know, and of course different moments when they get back together, but I feel like 
as I said, I liked the space that we had for them to be apart. And that it's almost like the pain. You know how much you really love somebody when you're being torn apart, when you don't have them anymore. So those scenes really always stick out in my mind because I'm like, God, these people love each other so much. So those moments stand out, but generally in GIF form. (laughs) I would agree. They pop up in my Twitter timelines and I'm like always happy to see them. I'm like, yes, (laughs) thank you. We're going to take a brief moment to tell you more about today's sponsor. So for any of you who follow us on social media, you might know that I wear glasses most of the time. And that's why I'm really excited about today's sponsor, because it's Warby Parker. Now, they are a super cool company that created boutique-esque quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. So there's this awesome thing going on, a free home try-on program. You know when you get stuff and you're trying things on in like changing rooms or whatever, and like you step on a pin or like it's sweaty in there and you're like, gosh, I just wish I could try this on at home. I wish I could try it on in the light, try it on with my outfits. Well, this is what they do. You get to order five pairs of glasses, try them on for five days. That's right. Try them on. Go out. See how they look with your selfies. Ask your best friend what they think. And there is no obligation to buy. It's going to ship free to you. And then it includes a prepaid return shipping label. You can head to warbyparker.com slash outlandercast to order your free home try-ons today. Now the glasses start at just $95, which let me tell you, in case you're not a glasses wearing person, that'd be a steal, okay? (laughs) That includes prescription lenses. The lenses include anti-glare for all you looking at computers like me and anti-scratch coatings for all of you who have teething toddlers like me who love to chew on the glasses. But listen, for every pair you buy, there's a pair that's distributed to someone in need. So you get something for you, something for them. They have an iTunes app. You want to go through the site that we told you, warbyparker.com. But the um, app will go on through that website. I'm really in love with Warby Parker, and I bet you are going to be too. So go get some glasses, because we did, and they're amazing. They're just awesome. They're great glasses. I yeah. get and I love I love your frames, the frames that you got, the blue ones. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That's just really good. All right, you ready to get back to the questions with Allison? Yes. All right, let's get the let's get to the 10 questions with Allison. So Allison, we've talked a number of times now on this podcast and it's always been a, a, an absolute pleasure to do so. But this time I think we're going to do something a tad different and we're just going to do two, 10 good questions with Allison, just specifically about season 3. Are you ready Look for this? At you, fancy. Ready. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, number one, best episode. What do you got? Oh, my gosh. This is a really hard question. I think we've covered a lot about what's been great about season three. But even though you might expect me to choose a Malcolm, I think I'm going to go with Uncharted. Really? Yeah. It was like a mini movie. Mm -hmm. And I really thought Katrina was amazing in that. Mm hmm. It was so visceral. The ant scene made me scream, literally. <laughs> um, there was humor. There was adventure. There was like, it was like, it, it did feel like a different show in a lot of ways. But it was, um, I think it's uh, Charlotte Brandstrom was the director. Mm-hmm. And it was just so lush and beautiful. And this introduction to kind of this new chapter done in that way was just really great. And also, I think when you see at the end, you know, Claire and Jamie come back together. That's always a happy occasion. I just <laughs> thought it was a really outstanding episode of television. That was quite the controversial episode, specifically because she's just walking around, you know, in, in the woods 
And a lot of people, I and my wife included, sitting across the way from me was like, what are we doing spending 15 <laughs> hours? Away. I know. That's what I said. I thought it was one of the most interesting um artistic choices the show has made to, to just uh-huh. have this woman rummaging through the woods for like 15 minutes in, in just like silence. Right. For exactly. like half an episode. It was brave. I really liked it because it was something very different and uh, yeah, con- controversial choice maybe, but that's what I'm going. I with. like that. So of course we need to have the yin and the yang. What is the worst episode in your opinion of season <laughs> three? Oh gosh. I think of Lost Things is pretty far up there for me. I just, the Geneva stuff just really didn't work for me. But I think Eye of the Storm is, it. things just kind of fell apart. Like the wheels came off the cart for me mm-hmm. in that one. Um, it, there was just so much that was happening. This, the slavery storyline felt very like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there was also a scene, I can't remember actually, this was Eye of the Storm or Bakra, but where Claire goes to free her slave in front of another slave and then asked that second slave to drive her back to the house. And I was yeah. like, I, I can't with like, <laughs> I just, this is too much. So I feel like they just really didn't know how they didn't have time for it, but they wanted to include it and they just kind of threw it in there. And then we talked about, you know, the gay list stuff and all that and, mm. and how confusing it was for those who don't have the book context. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Eye of the Storm is probably going to be my worst. You know, speaking of Eye of the Storm, I wanted to get your opinion on this. They they actually did something really uh, interesting, which was having Matt Roberts, who is a, who is one of the producers, a writer on the show, direct the episode. And the guy's never directed anything. I mean, I, he's done some second unit work. But yeah. what, what I mean, what 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 do you think is the story behind all that? And what do you what do you think happened? He is an executive producer and gets to do what he wants. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I like that <laughs> what answer. With that? But it's just it's odd for it to for that to happen for a finale because right. usually that's when you bring in the big guns. So it's just a lot of weird choices for that. Right. That I, I mean, you know, when you go from like Anna Forster, who you know she's you know her movies are, are very good, except for Blood Wars, uh, that 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 one uh, was not a fan. But uh, other than that, she's a very good director, and, and you go from there in season one and season two, they've delivered these great finales, and then all of a sudden you're like season three, Matt Roberts. I don't know. I just I oh felt God. I don't know. I, I felt it felt poor, funny to poor me. Matt Roberts. I know. No, I, it, it's a it's a weird choice because I felt like um, the season two finales that Dragonfly and Amber yep. was just so like to me that sort of saved that season in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, and then yeah, th- this just ended on a really weird note in a lot of ways. And you know what? That might be why stars sort of you know gave us that extra little scene afterwards. Like, no, we promise. Like, we're, like <laughs> that's not, there's more. Stick with us, please. So, I don't know. I so don't know. Which, which part of the show is the most vulnerable, do you think, or the most worrisome for you as you're watching it and you're, you're looking at it going forward or in season three? What, what do you think is the most worrisome issue? I am very concerned that we're not in Scotland anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is a real problem for mm-hmm. me. Um, mainly cause I like, I'm, I don't really care about colonial America that much. And I feel like <laughs> it's been handled in so many other series. And I felt like one of the things that made outlander so special was the Scottish setting and what made people fall in love with it was Scotland. So I have heard that like we, there might be something else that we see in that setting moving forward in the story, but we're pretty much like in America now. Um, I mean, I, and I mean, story wise, because the production is, of course, staying in Scotland, which I think is fantastic. But the, the story itself moving to America, I'm 
interested. I, I know quite a few other people who are sort of worried mm -hmm. <laughs> about how that's going to be received. It's, I guess it's more, a, more of a controversial aspect of the books as well, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. You know, I've always said that Scotland was a major, uh, character mm -hmm. in, in the show, as well as Beer McCreary's music and the yeah. costumings. I mean, this show really had so many different, uh, elements that brought it that gosh yeah, like I mean, soul sucking in the best way quality in season one or when you pick up the book you do you fall in love with scotland so i can appreciate where you're coming from blake on the other hand is a huge colonial america <laughs> history buff i am but what i will say is every great show in my opinion has a unique setting i mean we talked about breaking bad i mean being in right in uh you know the abq or lost in hawaii or even like bloodline in in, in the in the keys yeah, like you definitely. felt you felt sweaty when you watched that show you know <laughs> yes, like you yes. like i feel like i i smelled after i watched that show <laughs> and i i always feel like outlander had that <laughs> i'm sorry I, I had to take a shower no this no it's 100 percent true you feel like you were in the florida heat with yeah. that show right yeah I felt bad for poor Kyle Chandler. The guy is like the sweatiest dude oh on the planet. I, I just can't. I went into labor watching that show we were, and I just can't now because it's like. <laughs> no, no. So, but I always feel like I felt like Outlander had that in in Scotland, yeah. you know, and it was unique and it made it really, really special. And moving to colonial America, you're right, Allison. It is worrisome for me because. You know, you have shows like Turn, you know, who's mm -hmm. done Colonial America or whatever. You can watch PBS, you know, This American Life there's or whatever. A great, there's a great John Adams miniseries on HBO many years ago that's like they actually give them terrible teeth, which is like a big deal for me. I think nice. that's really amazing. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> like, they did it right. So but my other then my other question then with them going to America in the story are we concerned about the colonial American accents? I, I wonder if they'll just let them stay Scottish or English, but I'm a little concerned about that as well. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's see. some concern there. I, I feel like, I mean, it wouldn't be entirely inappropriate if people had English yeah, or Scottish Yeah, because they would have probably accents. anyway had them because that's who Pretty I was coming over. From, right. Yeah. Ah, oh, interesting. Now I'm going to be totally listening in even more. <laughs> All right. So um, that being said, what do you think is the best asset that the show has going forward and that you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is solid ground. They've got this. The one thing that always works on Outlander are Jamie and Claire. Mm -hmm. When they are together in any scene, we're good. I think Sam and Katrina and their chemistry is what makes that show work like no matter what else is happening, because, you know, over the season, sometimes the writing has let things down or maybe there's been some questions about, you know, the direction they've taken things or certain whatever. It doesn't matter as long as Claire and Jamie are together. It's <laughs> like nothing else matters. So they are the one thing that saved the finale for me for season three. But, yeah, I mean, they're the heart of the show. Mm -hmm. And as long as we get plenty of scenes with them, I felt in a lot of ways that season three tore them apart maybe a little too much because Mary, like you said earlier, there was just, whenever they were together, the, the show just slowed down mm -hmm. and just like gave us that time, which was really nice. And I know that they have to be on adventures and in peril and everything, but the show works when they're together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's always the key for me. So going off of that, I mean, you, you've said that, you know, the show sometimes has made questionable choices and I think that's a, a, a reasonable statement um, 
with that in mind, what do you think is the most improved part of the show or the most improved performance of Outlander in season three? That is a really interesting question. I feel like there are some characters that haven't worked for me because I, and I don't know if it's the actors or just kind of the way they're written or what I, I feel like the elephant in the room maybe is the Sophie Skelton conversation. But I do think honestly that she has done much better work in season three than season two. I think season two, as much as I like the dragonfly and Amber episode, um, I think that it was kind of like left people very uncertain with, you know, where we were going with that story and, and her portrayal of Brianna. But I think season three, she kind of won me back. Um, and I think that she, I'm interested to see how that story continues on with her. Cause I know she's going to play a really pivotal role, but I, she, she won back. I, I think she's, she's doing good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she won me back after she brought Raja uh, lobster rolls and Boston cream pie. When, yes. I, when I saw I it, I said, that, that was a great scene. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I finally get it. Why everybody's in love with Roger and Brianna. I get it. But, you know, and that that's that's just me. I don't know. What, 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 what do I know? Just so you know, Allison, because of that, we had several of our staff members come out uh, for a finale party in December, as well as some other clan members. And we served our staff Boston cream pie for dinner <laughs> yes. one night. That's so cute. Say it, Blake. Love say it. it right. Boston cream pie. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Uh, in light of the latest episode, you know, the, the finale, or at least in light of season three, what do you think the ceiling is for Outlander? How good can it be going forward? Hmm. I think that it has all the tools that it needs at its disposal, right? Like it's got these amazing actors, the costuming, the setting, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's colonial America, but it's still Scotland, <laughs> really. <laughs> and the directors, I think, you know, we talked about a little issue maybe with some of that but generally speaking i think that it's just such a gorgeously shot show i think sometimes the writing can get in its way i think that the way that they have to navigate what book fans expect or what they think book fans expect and then also what tv show viewers need from a compelling drama because i mean i think we've talked about this before but you know a book to tv adaptation is not a one-to-one mm-hmm. you cannot just film what is on a book page. It's just, it. the way that television beats are, are not the same way that they are in novels and things have to be changed. They have to be, you know, spiced up or moved around or whatever for dramatic effect. And I think sometimes the show has struggled with how to meet that expectation. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I am just like so curious how the America stuff is going to work because to me, even when like I, I am one of the few people who I think liked the Paris stuff in season two. <laughs> like, I, I liked them going to Paris; it was fine. But it felt right when they came back to Scotland. Yep. As much as I enjoyed, you know, Uncharted and the Jamaica stuff, I was like ready to come back to Scotland. So, I think that Outlander has everything that it needs. But I'm just kind of interested to see story wise and writing wise how they keep us really invested in and compelled by this story moving forward. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now here's a question for you talking about the story moving forward. Do you think Outlander misses its main villain of black Jack Randall? As much as I love Tobias Menzies, (laughs) (laughs) I was so ready for black Jack to go. Uh, He lingered quite some time. I think that sometimes it could be helpful to have like that one 
kind of baddie, you know, that like character that just you can, I think Galus, I guess, is sort of being set up as that character moving forward. Um, but it can also be sort of tiresome as it goes on. I cover all of the superhero shows on the CW, right? And they've got like every season, there's like the big bad, there's like one villain that everything kind of revolves around. And it's actually been a problem with a lot of these shows because it's hard to sustain an interest and a believable um, story for, in their case, 22 episodes a year Mm -hmm. revolving around one bad guy. Um, So to me, I would prefer there just to be sort of adversaries here and there as they go. I kind of liked it when the ship's captain who captured Claire, you know, stole her away Mm -hmm. to be their doctor. Like he just kind of accidentally popped up as an adversary, you know, like, yes, he did sort of kidnap Claire, but then later he sort of was like, I have to, I know who Jamie is and I have to bring him in. Now this is my mission. And I prefer that rather than just one like blackjack character who just keeps coming back. Like it, to me, it just, it just got to be too much. So mm-hmm. I don't think that they, they're really missing it. I, but I do think that the Galus, um, as the sort of the new villain or whatever, is an interesting one. Like, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I just don't want it to drag on forever, even though, Mary, you might be looking at Blake like, yeah, it's going to drag on forever. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, one of the conversations that, um, you know, we as a, as a site have been having, and I think a lot of fans have been having is, you know, season three was very good. It, it, like we've said here, it has, it had its issues. And a lot of people have kind of attributed that to Iris Stephen Bear leaving, um, you know, uh, and Kenny leaving, then bringing in all these kind of like no name jabroni writers to fill the room. <laughs> Four writers. Um, you know, and then, and then even yeah. like Ron Moore's own admission that he kind of took himself out of the day to day involvement and let Matt and, and Tony Graffia work at all do you think that's overrated or should we should we be worried what do you think it's tough because so many tv shows now are focused on that kind of auteur filmmaking right you've got like one director one writer whatever it's not usually sustainable for a show that has as many seasons and episodes as outlander but a lot of times there's still one very you know what's the word um very set creative vision, right? There's one person who's kind of in charge Mm -hmm. and it's their story. So even though like, um, breaking bad has been on my mind because it's been the 10th anniversary recently. And so you mentioned it now it's all I can think about Like for breaking (laughs) bad, you know, they had a big writer's room. They had writers come and go, but it was always Vince Gilligan's story. Mm -hmm. You know, it was always his direction and his vision. And Outlander is not a procedural. It's not something where people can just kind of come in and write like a spec script, right? Like, oh, here's, here's like my idea for an episode of Outlander. Like it's all very closely tied to each season's overarching story. And then of course the story as a whole, you know, for the whole novel series. So I think that it's a little strange in a way to sort of have Ron more like step away a little bit and say, okay, you know, you can kind of take over this vision because it, it really was his vision, you know, Mm -hmm. to start Mm -hmm. at the same time. I still think that season three succeeded in a lot of ways. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about that, um, with, with the separation and then coming back. But I think that you maybe start to see some cracks in that back half when this season, the season also felt really scattered. Like there wasn't one clear vision for it. It had like three kind of distinct parts. So I wouldn't worry about it. But again, as the show moves narratively away from Scotland and into this new um, 
this new land and this new um, story that's happening and, and with Galus and all this kind of stuff. I think that somebody, <laughs> somebody needs to be in charge. And I don't know exactly if they figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. What were those three parts that you, that you referenced that you think the show was broken up into? In my mind, it was, well, the separation to begin with, um, the reunion slash the seafaring and then Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So to me, those all felt like three very different storylines that had varying degrees of success. I just really like seafaring tales. So I liked all the ship stuff. I don't know if like, probably plenty of people are like, I'm really bored with what's happening here. But um, yeah, I, it, it was, it was fun for me because I didn't know it was going to be happening week to week. And so many different things were happening. It was sort of like, okay, well sure. Yeah. I'm going to go along with this. But thinking back on that season. Yeah. I, I think again, I don't know. I don't know where the story is going in America. I know that I think they're there for a while and there's more time travel ahead, I would imagine. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry, but we'll, once we start seeing some trailers and that, maybe we can, we can start <laughs> make a little assumption. So yeah. where, um, where would you rank Outlander among your favorite shows that are currently airing? Ooh, well currently airing. Cause so many things are just now coming on or coming back. I did, uh, rank my top 25 shows of 2017 on Collider. Um, And I put Outlander at number 11, sort of around the white princess, the A word, the Americans. Um, It was just, it's such a rich series and one that I really, like I said, enjoy watching. If it was on right now, oh, it it probably would be the, I want to say the best show on right now. I'm trying to think what else I watch. It's so funny because I watch so much stuff that like, when I just put on the spot of thinking about like, well, what other shows are there? I'm like, I don't know. What do I watch? What's on right now? I can I don't remember. Um, no, but yeah, that's good right? for 2017. That, that, yeah, no, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if we're in the, the 11 spot for 2017, I think that's a pretty good spot to be in. Well, it was, it was such a competitive year because the things that were above it, you know, like the crown mind hunter, um, handmaid's tale, you know, even some comedies like Downward Dog and stuff. It's it's stuff that just was like so different or so surprising. And again, like Outlander to me is very steady. Yep. And it's, but there were some shows, and we talked about it. You know, maybe it was a little uneven. Some of those other shows were just a little steadier overall, mm-hmm. and just had maybe a little bit of a tighter season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love Outlander. I mean, there's no. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I try to be like, I try, I try, you know, not get too to me when I'm trying to, when I'm making my, you know, year end lists, but it's, um, yeah, I, I, every single show, all of the 25 shows, I mean, half and Leonard is one of my absolute favorite shows and I stumped for it all the time. And it was not, I think it was maybe like 15th or even like below that. And not because it's anything except it's just such an amazing year for television. There was just so much that was good that really it's like, I just recommend all 25 of these. I don't want to rank them. Like they're all amazing. Go see them in the other 35 shows that I have in my honorable mentions because I couldn't contain myself. I love it. I love it. You know, speaking of that, if you could take one actor from Outlander this past season and put he or she on another show, who would it be and why? And, And here's a better question. What show would you put them on to make them most effective? So I have a really bad imagination when it comes to casting, but <laughs> here's, here's, here's what I think. I thought long and hard about this. 
I, just for the listeners, I sort of got a peek at some of these questions so I could <laughs> collect my thoughts on them. And this one I thought about probably the most of all. Okay, I think that I would like to see Grant O'Rourke be a regular on one of the CW superhero shows really? because he's so funny and likable. And I think he would really fit in on like Supergirl or the flash. And I think he should stay Scottish by the way. I think I he could do the accents fine, but <laughs> I'd want him to be like a Scottish dude. I don't know if he's going to have powers or not. I think it'd be fun if he did. Um, but yeah, he's available. So somebody should cast him. because He's, he's great. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so great. What a great answer. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I think like, can you, I could just, he would be hilarious. He would. Like, he would be amazing on yep. one of those shows. Yep, I agree. So, you know, you, 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 <laughs> snap, you snap your fingers, you blink your eyes, an hour has gone away. So, Allison, we will not take up any more of your time. But I, Although I do have one last question. Yes. Um, at the end of our finale party, which, which we had live and did the live podcast, which was in front of an audience, it was really cool. Um, I... I challenged the audience and all of our listeners to exercise their TV brain and watch something else other than Outlander. Uh, so, and I know we just kind of hit on it, but what's the show that you think Outlander fans specifically should get out there and watch? That's something that takes them out of their comfort zone or something that you think that they would like. Ooh, well, I mean, certainly if they didn't watch white princess, I know that's not really out of the comfort zone very far, but it's, it's so good and it's short. And so it's not a huge time investment, you know, but it's, I think stars did a really good job with it, but also, you know, I would give counterpart a try. Cause I think that there are some interesting sci-fi elements there that, and JK Simmons is just fantastic. I mean, the only thing that's better than JK Simmons is two jk simmons which this show has because he has a doppelganger so yep. <laughs> <laughs> even better um those like that's that's one that has really intrigued me this year so far but honestly like a show if you really want to go far outside of your comfort zone and watch something that is a show that is like really different but really has something to say and is really fun to watch i am loving black lightning on the cw it cool. is not like any of the other CW shows. It feels like it should be on Stars or Showtime or something. Like it's really smart. It's just like they put the character stuff first and the superhero stuff second. And the acting is amazing and the story is really great. And they're dealing with like really complex, difficult themes, which is not typical for the CW. Mm -hmm. So don't don't just like be surprised by it because I think it's a real gem. That has just started airing. What, uh, is that show? Is that show part of the universe that that they're establishing, or is that is that separate? Currently, it is not, and I think that's a good thing. Okay, good. So, yeah. <laughs> good. Because my next question was, do you need to watch all the other stuff before no, you watch Black Lightning? No. Okay. And, and I do like those other shows, but Black Lightning. No, you can jump right in. It's not connected to anything else but itself, and it's just telling such a different like we you know also having a black superhero like we had luke cage in the netflix series yep. as our number one black lightning coming in as a second it's such a different kind of story even from luke cage like it's just it's awesome i'm really enjoying it so hey well highly recommend 
I love it. Seriously, Allison, I really enjoyed chatting with you. We adore your insight. We always love reading um, your reflections and your takes on this. So this is so fun just chatting about, of course, one of our favorite shows. (laughs) And and, uh, hearing your stories about going to... Scotland. I'm drooling. I'm envious. I love it. So thank you so much for coming and chatting with us. Thank you all so much for inviting me. This is always a pleasure and it's just a delight. Alison Keene, everybody. She's a rock star. She is great. She, I love talking with her and it's great because, you know, like she wants to fan out, like she wants to like geek out. Yeah. You know, she does. Rightly so. And, and she should, and she does. But she also has, again, this great perspective of how things are in the television world and and, and getting the chance to, to go to the filming and, 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 and talking with Tobias and, and Sam and Kat mm-hmm. and everybody there. And I loved her, I, the, her, her experience where she was just like everybody was just genuinely happy to be here and, 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 and to be filming this show. I, I, I wanted to ask her, have you ever ran into a show where people were like, get the F away from me? <laughs> Oh, gosh. But I didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I, was I think this that was a good choice. Thank you. Good choice, my love. I Thank love you. you. And yeah. I will uh, make sure that, that doesn't happen. So, yes. No, it was really great, as you said, to kind of geek out with someone who not only loves Outlander, but is in a unique perspective from the industry. So, we hope you guys all liked that. And we're going to close out the show. All right. Ready to uh, close out? That's what I just said. Oh, sorry. I did. Yeah. See, Case when hosts aren't listening. There you go. <laughs> this Peabody Award nominated show, by the way. Oh, nice. We okay. got the Peabody. We're not, and I, I, I got the BAFTA in. Got it in the mail. So excited. It's up here on, on our shelf. So I'm, I'm actually quite I excited I love that you that. love doing this because I don't know if anyone else loves it. If I anyone did, else does. You know, I'm going to keep going with it. I, it's, my, it. it's our show. You that's, know, you know, that's what we're going to do. Interesting. <laughs> Good old interesting. Let's close out our Peabody nominated show. So Droughtlander's here, you're re-watching Outlander, you're joining the Outlander cast clan gathering, the best place to be as an Outlander fan on Facebook. You might be in the Outlander cast clan book club, where we're having a Drums of Autumn read-along, so if you're like rereading and prepping for season four, that is the place to be. Hey girl. Now listen, if you are going to do what I'm going to do, and you can tell all your friends who aren't watching Outlander to come on over and have an Outlander party in your pajamas with some wine, some whiskey, make them some little tasty treats, I maybe want some you, Boston cream maybe pie. Maybe some Boston cream pie, or maybe <laughs> you're going to bake some bread because we have a new staff member on Outlander cast who is like brilliant with all things food with Scotland and everything. Tammy, I'm talking about you. Tammy's going to have a new recipe up on Outlander cast blog. Uh, at, you can find all that at outlandercast.com. But let me tell you, so many things to do in Droughtlander, including telling people about this podcast. Now, the best way that people learn A, about podcasts in general, like that that it is a thing, is word of mouth. And then B, about which outcast, uh, which podcasts listen to is once again word of mouth. So tell your friends. And if you haven't yet left us a rating and review on iTunes, please do so. I'm going to start doing a review of the episode. Oh. And we're going to highlight those of you who have left reviews. So today, it's Brianna in Colorado. She said, this, 
this podcast is everything. If you are like me, a book lover without a local community, or perhaps a wife who needs a safe space to giggle and swoon over James Alexander Malcolm Mackenzie Fraser, look no further. Godzilla, King do Kong. Not, do not pass. <laughs> do not collect $100. Mary and Blake provide hilarious, poignant, and supremely fun commentary on each episode. And when Droughtlander without Lander hits, they dig deeper into the Star series by interviewing cast, crew, writers, directors, and cinematographers. They go out of their way to include listeners by reading social media messages, like this one, playing voicemails on air <laughs> such as that. And listeners, you get to be a part of an amazing circle of friends. And if you can go to Providence and grab a beer with them, that's what it kind of feels like. So each podcast brings new laughs, new inside jokes, Dorcas and Bubbies forever, and new <laughs> insight. She wants you to keep that as outlandish theories of the week. Come and Blake and... Uh, zany scarily spot on ideas so she said that my interest in cracks are up every time so thank you so much Brianna I also want to give a huge shout out to a bunch of our patrons who are our higher level patrons who get their shout out on each episode for making this possible I want to shout out Peg Ann and Bobby of course Liz Carolyn Tara Sharon Tracy Lisa Meredith Amy Christina Sue Keelan Meredith Dana and Nikki as well as Dieta Michelle Jennifer, Lauren, Heather, and Marilyn. Thank you guys so much. And thanks to all of our patrons who have helped make this possible. Listen, being a patron at patreon.com slash outlandercast helps us keep this going, helps us keep Outlandercast mm-hmm. site going, helps us do all the things because it ain't easy taking your favorite thing <laughs> in the entire world and then saying, let's make this like a job, a J-O-B. Right. And it's so fun. So if you have fun listening to this, thank you. I mean, l- let's let's be honest here. We all know why we, we, we were joining Patreon. We all know why, okay? It's because you want to hear my chapter-by-chapter analysis of the first book about Lander. There you go. You, you, let's just, we're just be honest about it. That's okay. I'm fine with that. That's good. But other other benefits that you do get from this is that, of course, you get to listen to episodes early, and you get uh, a chance to hang out with Mary and I, uh, and have little chats and talks, and hey, you know, you want to spend more time with us crazy kids, then yeah. Patreon's your way. There you go. So... so- Thank you guys so much. Once again, make sure you like us on Facebook, our Instagram, or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Droughtlander's here, and we're here to keep you company. So, and, and go to outlandercast.com for all of your Outlander needs, whether it's the blog or the podcast or the news or anything that you want to get for Outlander. We got it you. is outlandercast.com. Got you. My love, are you ready to close out our first podcast episode of the newly of minted Droughtlander? In 2018, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Jeez. What's the world coming to? 2018. I love it. I just found out that the class of 2020, 2021 was yeah. born in 2003. That's ridiculous. 2003. Oh, I think I need to go moisturize my old skin. <laughs> All right. We're going to leave on that note while Mary go moisturizes her old skin. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.